You're listening to Voices of Value, a selection of valuable insights designed to help you get more out of your professional and personal life through simple and easy-to-adopt life lessons. If you're keen to enjoy a better quality of life at work and at home, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton. Welcome to episode 19, Voices of Value. Peter Kakos here with my good friend, Rick Rushton, again, and Rick... Again, we bring someone incredibly special from across the other side of the globe. I thought we couldn't do better than Paul McGee last week, but uh, I've got to say that last sort of uh, interview we've just recorded has continued to raise the bar. So we are so fortunate to have some great thought leaders, people who are prepared to give just absolute gold and just laid it out there for us. I think we got a lot of that again today, Pete, didn't we, both professionally and personally? Oh, well and truly. And Sharon, who you're about to listen to, I think has got one of the most incredible stories, but his infectious personality and the and the way he presents and the passion he has about giving is uh, is something that you really want to listen to. It's a little bit longer, uh, today's one, than what we uh, what we normally would do. But I tell you what, we certainly <laughs> did not want to stop him uh, from sharing some incredible insights and takeaways. And we may never make any apology for bringing someone of quality to you at a greater length. You'll hear his energy leap out through your headphones, through your speakers, through whatever you're doing this morning. So without further ado, here we go with our great guest all the way from Southern California, Sharon Trivasta. And Peter, I cannot wait to bring to the Voices of Value podcast subscribers our next guest, who I had the great fortune of meeting five months ago up on the Gold Coast when we were both speaking at a leadership conference. And I knew in the first five seconds that I was in the presence of absolute greatness, a genuine genius, a modern day thought leader, someone who could absolutely help anybody listening to this podcast, no matter where you are in your life right now, our next speaker, our next guest can help you just fill the gap between your potential and your reality. Sharon Trivasta is today the CEO of Kingston Lane, but not that far away ago, he was involved with a company called Telez, which he was managed to 10x its growth in five years, Pete, which you just don't do that unless you're outstanding at what you do. And you would think, well, that's pretty easy coming from a real estate background. This is not his background. His background effectively is a story that is realistically something Hollywood could actually turn into a movie if you wanted an amazing script. As an immigrant uh, teenage boy being shipped across from his homeland in India where his family said, we can do better for you. So they sold up everything they had, every asset they had to give him a check and a chance. And he's repaid that in spades. I am excited. I am almost humbled, but most importantly, very thrilled to share with our audience the amazing Sharon Srivasta. Sharon, thank you so much for the gift of your time in our podcast, Voices of Value. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you to both of you for having me and Ricky. You've... Uh you've you've become a great friend and mentor to me just in a very short time and i'm grateful to spend time with you and share uh, share the stories with you well thank you so much my friend but your story is amazing i do want to touch on where you are today with kingston lane that's very important i know that you've been mentored by some of the best on the planet but more importantly you're mentoring uh other people as well so we want to touch on that as well but i don't think we can really give any context to our audience without at least giving them a bit more of a detailed uh, response to just that introduction i gave about your father's question of you could you do this could you do this game of tennis could we do better for you could you give our listeners just a bit of a, a snapshot on what that looks like no definitely i think um a, a lot of people forget the humble beginnings, right? And we are, people always say, we're just the sum of our experiences. And actually it's not the sum of our, our experiences. I think we're the sum of our aspirations. 
Wow. And, and that's what my dad always told me that we were the sum of our aspirations. And I never knew what that meant as a, I was a, I was a 10 year old boy in India and it, it's very hard to share this, but um, I was, I am tone deaf. So I didn't, I flunked out of music class. <laughs> I'm colorblind. So I couldn't tell most of the primary colors apart. So I didn't do very well in art. Um, I was dyslexic. So I barely made it through any kind of math and science. And I was okay in sports. I was a young, uh, I was a scrawny kid. I got picked on. I got bullied a lot. And I will tell you this, uh, Rick and Peter, like, it, I mean, it's so insane that like, I never shared the story with people where for, for over two decades where I would, uh, I would walk around my school's campus just so to go to a classroom next door, just so I wouldn't get bullied in the hallway, just so I wouldn't get physically bullied in the hallway. And I thought that was normal because I didn't know any different. Uh, I got my growth spurt later and I, I, I'm, you know, I'm better now, but um, I remember years, like multiple years, three, four years where I was shaking to go to school. And uh, it, it was so hard for me and my parents uh, being the only child, my parents actually recognized they didn't have a lot of money and, but they, they were just phenomenal parents. My parents recognized after a while, uh, close to when I was 10, 10 years old, I was sitting with my dad on a park bench and he said to me, he said, we've got to do better. And I really didn't know what that meant when he said, we've got to do better. And what he was trying to tell me was he was willing to break out of where we lived and give me a chance somewhere else because he believed that giving me a different environment was what the winning strategy was going to be because he didn't know any different. He just thought that, hey, I just need to get my friend Sharon, my son Sharon out of this mix so he could go do better things in, in a different place. And so what my dad did was he said to me, hey, we need to get you a skill because we need a skill, your skill, we don't have the money, so your skill needs to be a passport to get you out. Uh, we were sitting in front of two tennis courts and my dad, honestly, my dad looked at me and he said, do you think you can commit to a life where you can get better at that skill? And, and Rick, I, I had not hit a tennis ball in my life. <laughs> I had no, I didn't even know the rules. Wow. And, um, and when he explained the story to me, we, we put everything in my life aside. My academics were secondary. My social relationships were secondary. For three years, all I did was wake up and breathe tennis just so I could use that as a passport to get out. And, uh, and it worked. It, it really worked. And that was the first lesson in actually believing that when you can have the singularity of focus on something, that it could actually completely transform your life. And I don't think many children when you're 10, 12 or 14 get to experience and believe that because we are just in the uh, figuring out phase of our life. But my, I didn't have anything to figure out because I was getting, I was getting bullied. Mm -hmm. And so when I figured out that if I can focus on one thing and do that one thing better, it could give me a much bigger and better future. And, and I owe my parents that gift and, and tennis was the thing, was the skill, was the capability that, that got me out of India to, to the life that I have today. And, uh, and, and you, you said this, my parents sold everything. They sold everything that they owned, everything. Moved in with my other family, like my other family members and wrote me one check for university. They wrote me a check for one year of university. And they said, uh, and it was still amazing. And, and my dad said to me, hey, Sean, if you, hopefully this is a good enough start. 
And if, if this doesn't work, come back and we'll, we'll figure it out together. But hopefully this is a good enough start. And so I was not the guy who showed up in the States with $25 in my pocket. I actually had one year's worth of runway. And I, I preach, I, I talk about this with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and Rick and Peter, you'll appreciate this. Can you imagine this gift? Can you imagine if, if we could give the gift of one year of, to somebody and said, hey, go chase your dream. Don't work in the nine to five anymore. Here's one year. Just your one year is taken care of. Go build your life based on that. I think we would create some amazing entrepreneurs if we gave them that gift. And that was, those stories really, uh, like I think about that often, it still gives me goosebumps. And um, uh, I'm truly grateful for my parents for what they did those very many years ago. And as you should, and I think the other thing here that I hear there, it's very true that if we gave entrepreneurs that one year of runway, that they would certainly fly, they would take off. But we must put it into context. You were a teenage boy being shipped across the other side of what you knew, the comfort of home, the familiarity of family and friends into a new environment. You had a check. You couldn't cash it. It took a few days for it to clear, right? And then you're living out of it. I don't want to sort of downgrade this because this is an uplifting podcast, but you were literally feeding yourself out of a dumpster, right? Yeah, I um, I never realized I didn't have the courage to go back to my parents to ask for money while my check was being cleared. Um, I didn't have I didn't have the ability to buy food for a couple of two week period while my check was being cleared. I didn't have the courage to ask my parents to do anything more for me. And so I would wait by the dumpster to see what goodies people had thrown in there. I had a, a pizza once, uh, which was great. I had a couple of sandwiches once. And uh, Peter, I, you'll appreciate the story. I got in the dumpster one day and I saw these two sandwiches. I grabbed them and suddenly, uh, two it was it was it was dark and two yellow eyes lit up and i actually got smacked and scratched by a raccoon oh. in the dumpster <laughs> i was fighting with a raccoon in the dumpster with these two sandwiches and fight or flight kicks in and uh, i i remember kicking the, the the raccoon as hard as i could i grabbed the bags of sandwiches i jump out and i run and that's when i realized Oh my gosh, I, one, I can't ever tell my parents a story ever in my life because it would break their hearts. But two, if that's what it takes and if that's, if that's rock bottom, uh, I'm grateful for it because that, that taught me uh, there, is, there is room for survival. Like we can, we can claw our way and live and live to fight another day. And I don't wish that upon anybody, but I'm so glad that I even had the resources to make that happen. And uh, it, it, it's now every time I every time I go by a dumpster now I, it, it's not a it, I drive by dumpsters and I get the chills. Yeah, yeah, and rightly so. So your parents give you the gift of focus and obviously the absolute love and support to give you that opportunity. You do find some help when you're at university, and then you get the chance to be the very best you can be. And then your journey really kicks off when you start getting these life lessons. How early were you when you were first finding out about these? personal development sort of lessons that were to ultimately change your life and literally the tens of thousands of people who you connect with on a daily, weekly basis as you're mentoring them? Yeah, the, um, I had, uh, no one ever taught me about personal growth and personal development. I had no idea. Yeah. And so uh, when I got to the US, and Rick, I haven't shared this with you. When I got to the US, I, I spoke broken English. It was not, I had a thick Indian accent and I understood fine. I could write fine because of the British system, but I my, my verbal skills, my verbal dexterity was not, not quite there. And so I needed to get a job when I got to university. And so one, the, the only job that I qualified for was being a custodian, a janitor. 
And I was too embarrassed to have uh, my friends and my classmates see what I was doing. And so what I did was I uh, mopped floors and cleaned toilets between midnight and 5 a.m. And I was okay with that because I would sleep from five to nine and go to class at nine. And uh, my my manager, my custodian janitor manager, said to me, "Hey, Sharon, if you want to work on your English, you should listen. To, you should listen to tapes." Well, the only tapes they had at college at university were Tony Robbins, <laughs> and so I'm putting on these tapes and I'm listening to "Unleash the Power Within," and I'm mopping floors and I'm like, "Who is this guy? He's got insane energy." And so uh, I learned English through Tony Robbins. Is Unleash the like tapes, and that was my accent tapes, and that was my accidental view into uh, into actually per- into personal growth. Incredible story. And what was you know, going back then? Those tapes, you know, what what was initially because looking at your your tennis background and, and and going to the states for for the tennis side of things, and all of a sudden you're thrown into this um, this peak performance coach that's probably the best in the world. I mean, what, what were some of the initial things from that, that that really stood out, some of the initial lessons that you learned? The, I, I, I will never forget a few things. The first thing was um, I really thought that, you know, language was hokey. I said, well, how can you change your life through language? And, and especially both the spoken word and goal setting. I had never, my only goal that I ever set in my life was that I needed to leave India and my ticket was tennis. There was no other goal that I set in my life. It just did not exist. No one taught me how to do that. No one, no one taught my parents how to do that. And I learned the power of just affirmations and goal setting through those, through those tapes. And I thought, how, what a, what a novel concept. You can actually believe in something and you can manifest it. You can actually work towards it. Like how, how is that, how is that not hokey? And, and how is that just, so if I believe that I can do something, I can do it. Like that's, that's a, that's a weird concept for most people. And I think there is a belief system that comes along with that. And I think, uh, Peter, what changed for me was this installation of this belief system. When you start to realize that you have the self-confidence to do something, not that you're unstoppable, you have this very kind confidence that comes out of it. And it's not that I'm amazing. It's not being aggressive. It's that, wow, I, I set a goal for myself. I can break down this goal into some daily habits now I can use my habitual instincts, my routines to build and get me goals. And I will tell you that uh, the routines and rituals was the biggest lessons I learned from Tony Robbins. He, he, he talked about how you can program your mind, program your thoughts, get to your goals through your body. And I had no idea you could do any of that. I, for, for a while, I thought it was hokey. But the funny part is you, I had to listen to the same tapes over and over. Mm-hmm. So reinforcement. After a while... It just becomes the gospel. It's propaganda. I'm so glad it was not, you know, it it was actually positive stuff. Can you imagine if it was like not positive stuff? I'd be a completely different person today. Imagine if he asked you to listen to talkback radio, right? That's just full of nothing but negativity. So that would have been – and just so you know, Pete and I have – Benefited from being uh, pretty close with Tony Robbins through not just uh, you know the UPWs and the Master University and all that sort of stuff, but uh, I did get to meet him. He got to meet my wife. He uh, we got to connect through his first wife, Becky Robbins. So uh, that's how long ago we date back with uh, with Tony and one of our good friends, Bob Wolf, who is uh, someone you know is operates yeah. in your sort of neighbourhood. Realistically, uh, Tony Robbins. He got invited to to Tony Robbins' wedding, so I got the introduction through Bob as well. So it's uh, an amazing 
interesting how uh, what I learned from Tony is what you learned as well, which is that words used well change worlds and it's your communication that changes your destination and ultimately it starts with yourself. You've got to have this internal sort of dialogue, which is uh, interesting. So you graduate, you get your MBA from, was it Vanderbilt University? Is that where you Vanderbilt, yep. yep. And then you head into the money markets. Is that pretty much the the next step for you? Yeah, so um, I was... um so before that, I graduated from college. We built a technology company. I'll fast forward through this. Uh, we were very fortunate. And this was during the technology boom. So the company got acquired. And I said, well, uh, what do I do now? And uh, so I had enough enough resources to take maybe three to five years off. Uh, and I was in my early 20s. So I didn't need much. So I spent five years teaching tennis around the world. So in some of the best resorts. And I'll tell you, I was in the I was in the in St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands in Dubai when they were building out Dubai and on Maui in Hawaii for five years. And the crazy part, Rick and Pete, is that I learned more about life from working in hospitality because when a hotel guest walks in and wants the experience there, they don't get to take home a table or a computer or or a piece of jewelry. They only get to take home their experience. Wow. And it is our responsibility being there to, to make sure they have a phenomenal experience. And I, I never, uh, it, it, it changed, it changed everything for me as I thought about, uh, you know, hospitality. Like I, if today I wish that my children would at least spend a year or two work in hospitality because it helps you. It helps. It builds the empathy gene. It's like, what does, what is Rick feeling right now? And how can I influence it feeling? And that's, no one teaches us that in today's, in today's, uh, in today's kind of, you know, millennial economy, it's like, hey, give me something right now. If not, take a hike. But if you're forced to think about the other person for an extended period of time, that's insane. And um, that's where I really learned a lot about myself. And th- the first thing you learn is you don't get weekends off anymore. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you just don't like I weekends were gone. I never I realized that I never got weekends off and I spent five years not having weekends off because in hospitality, you don't get weekends off. I think I got like a Wednesday and a Friday morning or something yeah. like that, something yeah. awkward. But when you start to interrupt that pattern, now I said, wow, time and space change very well. So I did five years in, uh, there and then I did got my MBA at Vanderbilt and then I went to work at Goldman Sachs in New York. Yeah. And that's when I learned a lot about. Uh, how businesses are run, businesses are structured. All I did was we 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 invested in uh, we helped uh, entrepreneurs build and grow businesses, gave them capital to do that. And I really saw what entrepreneurs were building. And I said, hey, you know what? I'm not I'm not slated to be a great advisor. Like I get way more joy on the operator side. I want to do what my clients are doing. <laughs> and so my partner and I actually invested in a real estate business in Beverly Hills. It had one office and 35 agents. Uh, in in Beverly Hills, and we thought there was a lot of potential, so we acquired that. And in five years, we grew to twenty two offices and six hundred agents. Wow! And that was the that was the growth story for us. And it got acquired by Douglas Elliman, which is a massive real estate conglomerate. And for those listeners to the podcast who follow Million Dollar Listing New York, that's the sort of same firm that Frederick Eklund sort of works for. And you know a little bit about that because you had a meeting, did you not, with the yeah, was, CEO? Yeah, I was there in the uh, in the New York offices. But Sharon, I think, I think get, cutting to it, and and certainly for our listeners, what are some of the business learnings? I mean, people are trying to get that edge in business right now, mm. getting the right mindset and so forth like that. What I what I think would be incredibly valuable is to hear from you and the incredible learnings, no doubt that you've been able to obtain. What what could you share with us? 
um, uh, I always say there are, there are three very foundational things that if you ask my team and you shook my team, th- this would come out because I talk about these a lot. These are three very foundational things that are very core to my life that I've learned over the years. And the first one comes from that park bench, which is the singularity of focus. I think a lot of times what we do is we say, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I, I have this. I have that. It's almost the, in the absence of a strategy, everything looks like an opportunity, yeah. right? Like it's, it's, mm. It blows my mind. In the absence of a strategy, everything looks like an opportunity. So if we can say, hey, this is the singularity of focus. This is who I am. This is what I'm going after. And very few people, if you actually took an entrepreneur and you put them in a box and said, hey, tell me what you're focused on. Tell me like, what is that North Star? Eight out of 10 entrepreneurs will struggle to articulate that North Star. Um, I'll, I'll give you one for us. It was really hard for us to figure out the North Star for our business, which is Kingston Lane right now. And I said, we only want to work with the top 10% of agents in their market and help them double their business. That is the goal. That is all we want to do because that now it helps us talk to a very simple avatar and everything that we think about, we use that filter. So the singularity of focus is number one. Uh, number two is you got to bring the singularity of focus to life in some way and call it the cadence of accountability. Uh, it's super easy for people to say, oh yeah, I'm focused on this $3 billion goal. Well, sure. How are you going to actually get there? And what are you accountable to? Who are you accountable to? So we always said, hey, our goal was to you know, become a $3 billion real estate company. And what does that mean? What does that mean for us quarterly, monthly, weekly, and daily from a close sales perspective? And does that mean growing our revenue base or does that mean growing our agent base? We decided that we would grow people and grow the book of business that way. So it was all about, I need to go recruit great producers and keep them really happy in a productive environment. And that was the entire strategy. So the way I got to 3.4 billion was recruiting that, that book. So the cadence of actually doing that was very, very important. Um, Rick, you'll appreciate the story. We had 11 uh, recruiting sales managers who would go out and recruit great talent for us. And it's very easy to figure out, well, what is the process for that? So every single day, super simple, every single day from 9.45 a.m. to 10 a.m., all 11 of us got on a phone call. And the question was very simple. This is the cadence. Rick, what did you do yesterday? And what are you committed to doing today? That's all it was. So everyone would go away say, yesterday I got three appointments and Pete's on board. Today I'm committed to getting two more appointments. And then the next person, then the next person, because if you said yesterday I got zero <laughs> and today I have zero, which is okay for a day sometimes, but you do that two days in a row with your peers, it's very painful. Mm. And so it was just a, we would get on a call every single day. And I'll tell you, Pete, that that 15 minute call changed the trajectory of our business because it kept people from a cadence perspective so tightly uh, connected to the vision yeah. that it changed it changed what we we're doing. So singularity of focus, number one, cadence of accountability, number two. And my last one, which is my favorite one, is good process drives good results. And everyone thinks that, hey, very few people have like the Rick Rushton magic, right? They can't just show up and just like, he can show up and he can do his magical things. Very, it's very irritating sometimes that he can just show up and he can do his thing. And I'm like, he didn't even prep for that, but he's been preparing all his life. Like he's so good, so natural, so connected to the audience. But I, I always tell people, hey, good process alone drives good results. Like we've got to say, 
a new agent comes on board, a new we take on a new listing, we get a new buyer, we we have a new everything that we do, we got to lay out the process because in most companies today, the people are the infrastructure. Mm. I have an idea, I know how something works. Well, Sharon leaves and there's a big void and stuff breaks. Well, that's ridiculous. Mm. Like you can't scale to a $3.4 billion company having your infrastructure walk out the door every day. Like that doesn't work. And so um, the team will always tell me, hey, I always tell the team front load the process, front load all the effort. So can we actually document this process? It's painful, but when you do it, you actually start to see the holes and see the opportunity. So it's always, hey, what's the singularity of focus? What's the cadence of accountability? And good process drives good results. And I will tell you, any business can take those three things, overlay it on their business, and it's a really great leadership day. You can just do that, and you'll fit, a lot of cool insights will come out. Yeah, and I, you know, we've often said throughout this program, Sharon, that process precedes results. You show me anyone who's getting results at the minute, and I'll tell you, they have spent literally tens of thousands of hours getting their processes absolutely switched on for the current market. And that's why we, as in Pete and I, are so thankful for this opportunity to be around someone like you who is, you know, I don't know what the percentage is around genius in the modern era, but there's 7 billion people on the planet. There's three people that have really affected me in the first five seconds of connecting with them, and you're one of those three. I won't sort of say who the other two are, and I won't say the order because you know there's a big gap between bronze, silver, and gold in some respects. And then, you know, if you and if you're the fourth best in that, Pete, what do you get? Uh, treated poorly. So <laughs> it's important to sort of know. But you, uh, I knew the minute, the instant I was hearing you speak, I was just I was in the presence of it, and I'm hoping our listeners are getting the same sort of value in this content right now. Most of the people listening to this particular audio podcast. Sharon will be listening to this on their commute to work right now or right. in their you know health regime right now or their morning walk or whatever their morning ritual looks like. But, you know, my view is the same as Pete's. Uh, uh, like last week, we would hope that people would replay this with their journals open, taking the notes. Oh, without a doubt. Sharon, it's, it's just music to my ears to hear you talk about hospitality because I've, I came from hospitality. I've been banging on about this all my life, I think, in terms of the importance of hospitality i mean anyone who works in hospitality or has worked in hospitality will get real estate a because you've worked crazy hours so you're used to that and b you're dealing with demanding people uh on a day-to-day basis you need to know you know what buttons to hit and how to hit these buttons and and how to give them that memorable experience and uh I love it. You know, in, in this game that we're in now in real estate, I think sometimes we get away from that, that the, they actually, the client does want an experience. Mm. So we need to look very closely at what does that, um, what does that experience look like? Sharon, from, from what you're seeing and what you're being around right now, what do you think are the key things that, that, that the, the customer or consumer is just craving for right now that you think that, that people aren't delivering well enough on? Oh, t- totally. I, it, to me, it's very, very simple. And it's just two things. If we can encapsulate our life with just two things, uh, we win. The first one is um, a really good feedback loop and, 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 and just communication. I'll tell you the story. So uh, my wife and I were at a grocery store and we were at this grocery store. And my wife, I'm pushing, I'm pushing the cart down the aisle. Uh, and my wife tells me, hey, hey uh, come away this way. Do you remember that couple? And I said, I don't remember that couple. I actually have a decent memory. I don't remember that couple. And she said, we had dinner with them. I said, what are you talking about? There is no way we had dinner with them. And my wife proceeds to tell me where we had dinner with them, what I ate, what I was wearing. And I said, I I have no memory of that. That's when I realized something. I said, a lot of times we believe that we can go show up in a living room, show up in a client appointment. We think that we can have a phenomenal interaction with the client, one interaction, the one and done. 
And we believe that it's going to create a life last, you know, lifelong impression, but it doesn't. What, what actually creates the lifelong impression is the number of touches through the decision-making process. The more touches you can have through the process, the better you do. So even in real estate, if, or, or whatever, the, if, if you scheduled an appointment with somebody and you got an instant email that said appointment scheduled, the night before you said just a reminder, the morning of you said, I'll see you at 2.30, even those three touches are a lot more powerful than you just showing up. And so the first one is the feedback loop. I think we have, with technology, we can do so much from a, you know, a, a, an authentic automation perspective just to dial that in. So the cadence and the, the feedback loop is really, really powerful. Number two, from a client experience perspective, they just want the interface solution. They just want a good interface to everything. And the last thing somebody wants to do is to say, oh, I need to go check my text messages to see what Rick sent me. Now I need to go to the app to see what Rick sent me. Now I need to go you know, to see my voicemails. Now I need to go to something else. Now I need to see what's in the mail. That's just from an interface perspective, that's just way too painful. Um, if like I actually have clients in the real estate business tell us, hey, just make me log into one place and just put everything there just so I know I can go there. So it's mm-hmm. to me, it's just that if we can nail the feedback loop down and we can nail the interface solution down, everything starts to work. I mean, even if you take, um, you know, I, I know there's there's Uber starting to happen in Australia. Even if you take Uber, you get, you, 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 you request the, uh, the, the car, the, it comes in, you get the notification, you, if you need to call them, it's, call, it's everything is through the app. And when you're done, like the pays through the app, everything is in that one interface. And when you're done with that solution, you shut it down and you're done with the solution. Mm. You don't have to do other things associated with it. So uh, the, the the companies that have nailed the interface solution will always win because the clients just want to stay connected to the convenience around it. Absolutely. And the Uber is a great example because normally at the end of that experience, you get out, they're rating you, you're rating them. So that right. goes towards your ability as a consumer and their delivery as a customer experience provider. Then you check into a hotel that you may have stayed at many times before. And the first thing they ask you for is, do you have your credit card? You mean the credit card that I booked the hotel with? Yeah, that one. You mean the one <laughs> I've used so many times when I stayed here before? Yeah, that one. Great. Uh, why do you need that? Well, we just need to take a swipe of it. But you've got it on file. Oh, okay, can you just right. fill out this form? Why do I need to fill out a form? I've stayed here before. What, do you think my newspaper preference has changed? I still don't <laughs> want a smoking room. Like you measure the Uber experience where someone you've never met and you may never meet them again knows right. who you are before they pick you up. You know who they are before they pick you up. It's done at the speed of click and it's delivered with an experience and then you measure that against a hotel, which is person to person. It's not a great experience. Well, I've just showed you how, how bad the experience was when, when Uber first came to Australia and I got excited that there was a, some mints and a water next to me. Right. Like, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't need much, but it just showed you how much we were craving something, didn't it? Well, someone who smiled too and realised that Rexona was not an island off the Whitsundays. Like, they were <laughs> care of their, taking care of their body odour and they were taking care... But I got introduced to Uber in, in America in 2014 and, you know, I've got to say, to you it was just uh the thing i learned then is the thing i've heard you say the thing i've heard my good friend say here throughout as a co-presenter i never hear elite people say the words customer experience as much as i hear out of you two but you average people think it's customer service elites understands customer experience customer service is anywhere and everywhere you know if right. you go to a shopping center in Alyssa viejo if you go there in uh you know downtown melbourne it doesn't matter where you are in the world you walk into a shop 
they think they're delivering customer service by saying, can I help you? And you'll say, no, I'm just looking and they think they've done their job. Whereas someone who's interested in the customer experience says, hi, welcome, have you been in our store before? No, this is my first time. If you give me a, a slight hint about what you might be looking for, I'll direct you to the right area and you can ask me any question about the product I'm here to serve. That would be a customer experience. I think we get those two things we think they're the same. They're totally opposite. Customer service, customer experience. You know, you're a leader customer experience, so is Pete. I'd like to think that's the standard that we want our listeners to uh, listen for. So you got a great uh, innovation with Telez. You found what the best were doing. You found where the gap was with your rookies. You bridged that gap with processes, with systems, with high touch and high tech. You were able to bring in so many great things. I, I love the daily messaging that you're sending out to your team. Would you just maybe give us a snapshot about if I worked for Telez, which is in this instance, it's a real estate company, but just any listener listening, no matter what your industry is, imagine how you could bring this, these simple things into play that Sharon will just share with you now that changed not just the dynamics of the bottom line of this business, it shifted the whole culture and the people shifted it more than anything else. But what are some of the things you did on a daily basis that made me know as a Telez operator that I was A, valued, B, supported, and, and C, most importantly, given every chance to grow? No, you're, you're spot on. You know, Rick, the interesting part is the sooner we can move from a, uh, a transaction-oriented mindset to this is these are people with me and I'm responsible for their development, it changes the way we approach the business. So, for example, um, we had a uh, four uh, – I'll do this in miles, but our, our it's close to a 400-mile footprint, so we're up and down the California coast. And it was very hard for me to be in every office physically. So my idea was, well, how do I – how do I do that? So first I started doing video and well, it's hard because you're touching video and you're doing as much as you can. And then you realize firstly that I don't have to have, um, you know, professionally produced video all the time because uh, the, the delivery and the cadence is actually way more important than how it is shot. That was the first thing. The second thing was we started doing these conference calls because we thought it would be easier. I realized that most of the uh, agents across our companies were driving because of uh, California traffic, were driving between 9 and 9.30 a.m. So I thought, wouldn't it be amazing? This was our, the, the, if, if we took, uh, call it the crowning, crowning jewel, the crowning glory, the best thing we ever did at Telus, the best thing we ever did. We realized that most of our agents were, were driving between 9 and 9.30. So what the, wouldn't it be amazing if we could use that time to actually bring the company together? So we said, once a week, let's do a, a conference call and we'll interview someone from the company and make them share what they're doing uh, openly and that'll bring the company together. Well, that was the, it started off on Fridays. Well, then we said, well, why don't we showcase a teaching call on Mondays where we'd actually teach them some skills because we know they're still driving from 9 to 9.30. Then I was thinking, well, why would we do it just on Mondays and Fridays? Why wouldn't we do it every day? And my partners looked at me like I was crazy. They said, Sharon, how can you come up with content every day? I said, don't worry about the how. Worry about like what we want to do and we'll figure out the how. And Rick, we actually made... Uh, we had these these call series where every day at nine o'clock, it just was an automatic thing for everybody in our company to dial into this call. And it just became this cultural water cooler. And every day we themed it out. So Mondays, we did something for growth. Tuesday, we did something about the markets. Wednesday, we did something about skills. Thursday, we did something about contracts. And Friday, we did something that was an interview series. Every single day, you would just dial into a call while you were driving and you plugged into the hive. 
And every single time I would talk to an agent, they would tell me that is what brought them together. That's what gave them the company ethos. And I, we probably put out um, more content and we put it all live on a podcast. So we just gave it all away. And people would tell me that is what defined who we are because we were, it was the layers of the onion. If you had to pull Rick Rushton, the TELUS agent away from us, you had to peel through call after meeting after meeting after interaction after interaction of experience after experience you would never hear a person that ever said oh i didn't i haven't talked to sharon in a while i'm like you heard me yesterday like i am always in either in your ear or in your heart or in your video or in your email and we got scale through technology and just small things like that um completely changed everything and and, and we on month on a monthly basis this is my favorite and any company can do this on a monthly basis i would just write it was very narcissistic sounding. I would just write Sharon's top 10 takeaways from this month. And I would just, I would, I ended up with a lot more than 10, but it would recognize our staff, recognize the wins, recognize. And that was a way of actually sharing the progress of the business with everybody, as opposed to saying, Hey, look at how amazing we are. Instead of doing that and doing a video or doing like some cool marketing material. Now it was Sharon's top 10. And everybody now wanted to be in Sharon's top. Mm. Interesting. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> but in a vehicle for actually sharing accomplishments, just the calls every day and like the monthly email with the top 10, everybody would read that and they would reply saying, wow, I didn't know the number seven happened. I didn't know the number three happened. And you created this buzz. And I realized that culture is buzz. Mm. Culture is just buzz. Mm. If you can, and the only way you create buzz is with the cadence. You can't just show up one day and do a big gala and assume to have a buzz. You just got to constantly work buzz. So when everyone tells me they got great culture, I just want to see if they got buzz. If you have buzz, you win. Mm. And it takes a little bit of work though. Yeah, yeah. And you can have buzz at a Christmas function once a year, or you can actually have things that are going sort of, you know, daily that's going to give you your people buzz. So, uh, that's, I was just going to say, that's why I love how you use the word cadence because it is easy to do for the first week or maybe even for the first month, but then what happens is it dilutes, doesn't it, over time and you just lose that desire to sort of do it. But, you know, sitting here in front of you now, Sharon, <laughs> is the biggest smile I've ever seen and just I can see the buzz that just would surround you on a day-to-day basis is just phenomenal. Um, how do you yeah, do it? They, how they, how they, do you they, keep they, yourself they, up, Sharon? You know, the funny part, Pete, is um, – what I learned was the opposite of what most people think, meaning they will, everyone believes that, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to keep up with um, a quality, like top rated content every, you know, every day. But what people don't realize is that what the community loves is the cadence and the community, not the top rated content. You actually get a pass Yep. for producing a variety of content. You actually, in, in the best part is my, if, if I have five podcasts on one in one week and my Thursday was mediocre, my Friday was great and my other two were a B plus, it's okay. It's totally okay because now they're like, hey, Sean's normal just like we are yeah. and uh, different people connect with different things but they know that they can always plug back into the hive. Yep. And what I thought was, I got to come up with great stuff every day and I would kill myself around it. But you just, people always, um, I think Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this. I realized this, which was don't uh, document, don't create. 
document, don't create. We are always in the perspective of like, I want to create content. I want to create this, but we are pretty rich and, and, and grateful lives. Like just telling the story, just document what just happened and, and tell the client story, tell the client experience, tell the vulnerable experience, tell the tough day experience. Documenting it itself lets you connect with people because at the end of the day, you're just connecting. Mm. And I realized that I didn't have to be perfect anymore when I had good cadence. Yeah. If you're in the real estate business, you should you should go check out a bunch of calls where it's on the it's on the current now it's called now the Douglas Elliman podcast, but it has hundreds hundreds of calls wow and it's up wow. there it's free it's a good recruitment tool for sharon as well to sharon what are you doing uh, what are you doing for yourself i mean how do you how are you keeping yourself up on it you, you you've got obviously this outflow of energy this infectious energy that's just spreading far and wide through your through your group what about you yourself what about sharon the person what what how do you keep yourself up are you on drugs that's the question. I think. I think. I think. What Pete's asking for, he wants a sample so he can get it so tested. Not even. Not even coffee, right? Because um, uh, you know, I, I love uh, Pete. I, I figured out that um, I get a lot of joy from from contribution, and a lot of people say that. Oh, I, for a while, I, I struggled to saying say it because I felt like it was a hokey thing to say. I figured out it was like, oh, it's the patronizing thing to say. Oh, yeah, I get a, jo- a lot of joy from contribution, but when when I'm with great people like you, I get jazzed. I, I feel I feel connected to Mother Earth. I feel like I'm changing the world, and uh, I almost like don't want this to end. You know, like when I'm when I'm texting Rick, I just wanted to keep going because I got I got that connection, and I feel so great about it. But um, there's a very strong uh, discipline around and rituals. Uh, I realized pretty early that uh, if you don't have a wake up routine and a shutdown routine, just very simple stuff. Well, you have no control over what you put in the middle. Like just no control over it because my wake up is going to change. Well, that changes where I start my day. My shutdown is going to change. Well, that changes how I end my day. Well, then how do I actually control what goes in the middle? And um, three, four years ago, um, I, so I was never a, a morning person. And I don't think anybody needs to be a morning person. I was never a morning person. My my uh, my healthcare providers, my doctor said, "Hey, Sharon, like you should try to wake up early to see if it suits your body." And I said, "Well, I don't know. I'll try it." So I uh, called three of my really good friends and I told them, "Hey, guys, do you mind for just five days if you can dial into a conference call number for five minutes? It'll force me to wake up at five a.m. If not, I just need the accountability because I don't want to let you down because I'm going to hit snooze and I know that." <laughs> And so three yeah. people said, okay. So I woke up at 5 a.m. And the first day they said, what are you going to say to us? So I said, you know, I'll come up with an inspirational message or a humorous message or something. I'll entertain you for five minutes at 5 a.m. Pacific time. <laughs> so they said, great. So the first call happened and I, you know, I, I was up at 4.30 trying to prepare for this call. And it was just a conference call. Well, the next day, um, I didn't know who was on. They had invited a few more people. So the next 5 a.m. I get up, I do my five minutes of, you know, inspiration or whatever. Well, three people invited three more, invited three more. So the three became 10, became 30, became 300, became 1,000. And today we have 3,000 people waking up at 5 at five a.m. Pacific time every single day, seven days a week. And that is my 3,000 person accountability. Like I wake up every morning at 445 because I got to show up and deliver 
a five minute call of value and inspiration. It's hundred percent free. It is my selfish accountability group because um, in three and a half years, I've done a, you know close to 900 calls. In three and a half years, I've missed three calls. Either I slept in or an alarm or whatever. Now I set two alarms to make sure that never happens because my phone just blew up because they were like, are you okay? What happened? <laughs> and now we actually have, I bring guests on the call. I create a platform for other people to share their messages. And it's something that is that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So I now I have a start to my day. And that is, so you begin the day with contribution. And man, that's, 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 I created this, the selfish thing became a gift that I can give the world, but also to myself. Um, if I didn't have that, Pete, there's no way I could wake up and be who I am. And there are some days when I'm either sick or someone else is covering for me. I don't have as good a day. I don't have as good a day. So yep. um, I'm okay. on five minutes at 5 a.m. every day. And it's okay to sometimes not be okay. That's uh, that's the reality of it. Could I just ask, with the, with the platforms, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, you know, what, what other platforms you're using to actually spread the message, A, in your business and, and on this 5 a.m. accountability? Is it something... Yeah. Simple or? Yeah, very, very simple. Um, the, um, I actually have, I think I have someone from Australia or New Zealand on the call too. I don't even know because uh, I have international call-in numbers. So it's essentially a uh, traditional call, conference call number right. that people just dial into and it's all muted. So you don't even have to do anything. You just dial in three to five minutes and that's it. And we have a private Facebook group where people discuss the topic for the day and they have a community that they support themselves uh, close to three fourths of the group are all entrepreneurs. Um, and I, and there's no promotion for it. People just invite other people to join. And I don't know 90% of the people in the group. So mm. it's a conference call, which is yep. free. Um, and people can sign up for free. It's 5amclub.net, 5amclub.net, and they can sign up for free. And we'll make sure that the actual links to your site, the 5am club, the whole thing is there for all of our listeners um, that they can go online and, and uh, connect with you because it would be, to use one of your words, my friend, it would be insane not to connect with this <laughs> amazing individual. Uh, the 5am club is a ritual that's also in Australia. Pete gets up at 4.58. He likes to be two minutes ahead of the game and he hates these slackers who wait two minutes more to get up, he tells me. But uh, my view is if God wanted me to see 5am, he would have made it more like about quarter past six. But look, that's a story for another time. We're all... I've just got myself to 6am. I'm just, I'm just taking it easy. And this from a guy who goes to bed at like 8.45, 9. He should be in oh, Florida. He should be, he should be in Florida. It's almost like go to a funeral home and wait. But anyway, that's a story for another time. Uh, in wrapping up, Kingston Lane, your absolute project right now it's where you're spending a lot of your professional time and i just want our listeners to be aware between you uh you know nettie lara you you you're, you're a husband you're a uh, you know a father of two amazing children my my wife wants to sort of kidnap one if not both of them i think is probably a, you need to hear that now because we're going to be uh, in your presence in uh, literally uh about uh, gosh it's got to be too much time from now i guess um just talk us through Kingston Lane, which is your professional thing, and maybe what you're doing on a home front to pay gratitude and respect back to the important people in your life as a way of summing up. Yeah, uh, awesome. Well, thank you. The, the Kingston Lane was born out of um, realizing that a lot of uh, real estate professionals around the world wanted a lot of things. They, 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 they knew the how, they knew that what to do, but they didn't have the how. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times what I thought was, let's teach them the how. 
let's teach people the how. So, hey, uh, I know what I need to do to build a business. And I always thought, well, let's teach people how to do it. Well, not everybody wants to know how to do it. Not everybody wants to learn how to do it. Not everybody has a time on how to do it. So I realized that it wouldn't it be great if we could actually build a platform that solves the how. Mm. So our job is to build systems and processes where people can push, push a button and we can deliver the results. So we call it kind of the push button execution platform. You want to do some Facebook ads, you click a button, we get it done. You want to do marketing, push a few buttons, we get it done. You want to build a bunch of systems, you push a button, we get it done. Our job is to do the heavy lifting so that our clients can do what they do best. So we solve the how uh, when the clients know the what. And that was always the, the joy for me. And so I get, to, I get to nerd out and geek out building the how and then delivering the how. Because in today's world, implementation execution is such a key part Like by piecing a lot of things together. And it takes a lot of time, even for someone like me who is savvy enough to know this stuff. If I struggle, I bet a lot of people struggle. Mm. So the how was the solution we wanted to offer. And it's been, it's been going really well. We have um, 250 days since we launched the platform, thousands of users, 10 plus countries. Uh, Australia and New Zealand are actually some of our best markets because very few people are doing advanced marketing techniques in Australia mm. and New Zealand. So if you are a uh, if you're in the real estate industry in Australia and New Zealand, you should definitely check it out because we're having phenomenal results. So that's kingstonlane.com, kingstonlane.com. Yeah. And again, and we'll, we'll, have that, we'll have that link on the uh, session notes. And uh, for anyone listening, just go to voicesofvaluepodcast.com and you'll be able to download the notes from episode 19 with our guest, Sharon Srivasta. And the home front, what are you doing there? Just the home to- front, I have one thing to share about the home front. Um, I struggled a lot uh, with the home front because it's very easy to carry work home. So I would think, oh my gosh, let me be extremely productive. Meaning, oh, I, I'm done with work. I'll take a call on the way home. I'll pull into my driveway and I'll, I'll open the garage door and I'll still be on the call. My kids come running out and they start banging on my car door and I put my finger up and I say one minute. I can relate minute. to that. <laughs> and, and, but, but after a while, a very sad thing happened. After about three, four months of doing this recently, um, I, I pulled in, I was on the phone, the garage door opened, and my kids stopped running out. Mm. They knew that when they stopped, they, they came out, that dad was not available. Dad was still on the call. And that was the day that just, just, just everything hit me. And I said, I, this can't happen anymore. Um, I say that because every single parent realizes when they – put that one finger up to their kids and say, I'll be, I'll be right there. Just, just one minute. And I decided uh, that I would, that would never happen anymore. So what I did is every time I come home now, I, before I, before I get to my house, I pull over and I put, I put on a three to five minute guided meditation. I just use that as Tony Robbins would call it a state change. I just want to state change from being the entrepreneur, the, the, the colleague, the, the, uh, the CEO of the company to, I need to be dad now. And while it may seem hokey, I just, I use that as an exercise. And as soon as I do that, my, it's the same, you know, little app that I use for a guided meditation. It doesn't matter, just a ritual. Then I put my phone away and only then do I go pull into my driveway. And now when my kids come out, I can actually be present. I can actually be thoughtful. I can actually be helpful. And just that switch, just that, like that simple switch has, has tremendously changed my relationship with my family. And I, I don't know, um, I, 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 
it would have been a very hard future if I had not made that switch. And so I'm grateful that that happened. And I, I hope I can, if, if there's a listener out there that is, is, can resonate with that story, use that state change because it'll, it'll make you a, a father or mother, a brother or sister in a much more present way. Well, I'm sure everybody listening would have got some value. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Professionally today and the fact that you're so giving there with your own personal story. Uh, Sharon Srivasta has been our guest. He is an incredible entrepreneur. He is an amazing educator. More importantly, he's an amazing giver in the game of life. He understands that giving starts the receiving process, a lesson he learned from his parents a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away when he was sent across to the United States of America for a better chance under the heading, We Can Do Better. I don't think we could have done better today, Pete, with our guest for this uh, episode, let alone our series thus far. Uh, thank you, Sharon. You've shared some incredible uh, inspiration for all, no doubt at all, and some wonderful you know, techniques and takeaways. I think uh, you've been incredibly generous with, uh, with what you've given us and we're eternally grateful. Thank you. And for those who want to get in touch with Sharon, we will have all of his uh, contact details on our site. Not his personal phone number because that would be a little bit eerie. Yeah. And uh, But what we can freaky. say is, because it's going to be hard for you to try and jot all this down, like it's a bit like Schwarzenegger. It's hard to spell, Shravasta. So, uh, and it's not as it phonetically sounds either. But uh, uh, my friend, I am so fortunate to have been in that very room with you. Uh, it was back on the 1st or 2nd of September last year. I remember, you know, just getting out of there, ringing my wife who was upstairs in the same hotel and I said oh my god I've just been and she knew that I'd been around someone she said I've only ever heard you speak like this on three times in your whole career and this is the third one so that's the best way I can say to you the impact you've had on me no doubt you've impacted our listening audience here today may you continue to reign your wisdom across all the people you get to connect with because you are by far one of the most inspirational people I've had the great fortune to be around Pete's now got a taste of you our audience has got a greater taste of you and most importantly we wish you nothing but continued success thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today and we will make sure that we continue to spread the word of both yours and Kingston Lane to our community. Thank you so much for having me. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. If you're keen to enhance the quality of your life even further in the future, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source. Our website is voicesofvaluepodcast.com, and we welcome both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way. Value.